Hello, hello, is this is on. Hi, um, hi everybody. They, they, <clears throat> sorry. They say Valentine's Day is the day where you can say anything. So I've written all of you a poem. <clears throat> sorry, a little nervous. Um, <clears throat> here it goes. Roses are red, violets are blue. But this is the bromance episode, so who cares? A Monday warrior, mean, mean stride. Today's Tom Sawyer, mean, mean pride. To all our Broby Wan Kenobis, Prometheuses, and Jobins out there, I raise a toast to a new Valentine's Day tradition. Love each other. Love each other as best friends should. Whether you're a dude bro, a lady bro, a non-binary bro, or any bro in between, as Bronchowski and Brobo Baggins would have wanted you to, just love and enjoy today's film, one of the greatest romances of all time. I love you, man. I love you, man. I love you too, bud. I love you, dude. I love you, bro, Montana. I love you, Holmes. I love you, Brosif Goebbels. I love you, Machacha. I love you, Tico Brohe. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's uh, continue here. So you want me to go like, it's a man, it's a man, it's a, it's a man, it's a man, it's a, it's a bromance, it's a man, it's a man, it's a, it's a bromance, it's a man, it's a man, it's a bromance, it's a man, it's a man, it's a bromance, it's a man, it's a man, it's a man, I'll be first in line. Ryan, I'm still free. You can bromance me. This is how you start the show on this time around. Could you raise me a nut and throw me a sweet fist pound? Yeah. Yeah. That was completely improvised. Yeah. Welcome, everybody, to A Gentleman's Guide to Rom-Coms, a special Valentine's Day edition. But today we're doing something a little different. Ryan, today is about being a what? A bro. A bro. Mance. We have plied you, audience, with the height of the height of romantic culture. It could be between any partner or, you know, kind of person, gender non-exclusive, whatever you want, we've thrown it at you. However, what we have not done yet is a bromance. A bromance. Bromance. Brokeback Mountain doesn't count. Neither does, I think the other closest one would have been Francis Ha. Uh, right, that was like a- My lady bromance. My lady bros. Um, but today we did one of Ryan's favorite movies and one of my favorite movies, but I can't claim as such because he's seen it so many more times than me. What are we watching this week? I love you, man. Yes, we did. I love you, man. Ryan, what, what do you call me? Like what's, 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 what's my nickname? Bro Montana. No, it's not. <laughs> did you hear him call Paul Rudd Brosive Goebbels? Yeah, Which I is did. just mean. <laughs> I don't want to be Brosive Goebbels. Brosive Goebbels. I, I, and it's during the wedding scene. I just did like a double take with my... <laughs> uh, what? Brosive Goebbels. Um, I, there were so many good ones and bad ones. Like, is it Jobin? <laughs> was Jobin? the first one? What, what, what have you called me in the past? What's, Robin wanted to know like what our nicknames were for each other. Um, nicknames? I, I feel like you've called me Special K before. Oh, okay. I'll do that. Your dad calls you Cowboy. 
I've always wanted to steal his. He figured out the best one. Well, I call you Rye Guy. Yeah, I got um, a I got a more nicknameable name because you have this Irish flair built into your name. You've called me K Dog before. Mm, no. Yeah, you have K Dog. Special K. Hold on, hold on. We we I just walked in the door and I just showed up like Norm from Cheers. What do you say? K Dog. No, 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 right. no, no, no. Let it come to you. Don't force it. Okay. K pop on Spotify. Yeah. Okay. K pop from now on. On Spotify. Okay. That's a full Spotify. That's a full nut. Um I, I call you Oh. I mean, this isn't one that I but I if I was as bromantic as this movie is, I might call you Gravedigger because your last name is Graves. The Gravedigger. If we did an Alfred Hitchcock podcast, that would be perfect. Oh, nice. The okay. Gravedigger grave is good. I might be changing my name soon. And so. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to tell the audience that until it's official, though. Well, you know, you can just say you're not. I'm not. Can you be careful with that cider? I don't want you to tip it over with your cable. Oh, no, no, I won't. That's that's why I, I hooked the cable up as such. You could still, it could, you have, you there have you the luck of a Jar Jar Binks. There you go. Is that better? You, you have this, you have this unintended clumsiness. Oh, that was like the most insulting thing that you could, Jar Jar <laughs> Binks, Ryan, <laughs> on this, the bromance day? He's cute. This is supposed to be a romantic day. But Ryan. he's cute. And I, I think he's cute. That's, <laughs> you just, you call me cute? <laughs> oh, I mean. Uh, you're sexy like a Jar Jar Binks. You got this Gungan flair to you. You like my ears and the way they wiggle. Wobble, wobble, wobble. Anyways, I've got a <laughs> game. For- <laughs> got a- Don't motorboat Jar Jar's ears. <laughs> uh, I've got a game That'd for you. That'd be pretty waxy. I know. Ugh. Ugh. I've got a game for you, and tonight's game I'm going to call the world's most unfair Rush trivia contest. Shh. <laughs> Because Rush is prominently featured I in know. tonight's film. Abba was like the worst choice to go up against Rush. No, Abba's good. They're they're era specific, and you know, Abba seventies. They had this kind of like Swedish futurist thing going sure, for them. Sure, Rush had the same look in nineteen seventy six. Same exact look. Just Google Rush nineteen seventies twenty one twelve. You'll see what I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean, Be on your phone you right now, you costumes. Can look it up. Yeah, 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 exactly. Mm-hmm. So I think it totally fits. Okay. Uh, Rush is prominently featured in I Love You, Man, and Rush is my all-time, all-time favorite band. Yes, it is. Uh, I've seen them three or four times, and I dragged Sarah 90% of the time. She was always there, rocking out. Like Your math doesn't add up, but I yes, I agree. Yeah, so Sarah knows exactly what it's like to be with a bunch of dudes at a Rush concert. And Man, I wish I could have seen them when they still toured. Yeah, and she had the best criticism of this film and she's like look at the audience and it was like the when they go and see the bit when they see rush in the movie mm-hmm. and she's like look at the people and i'm like what she's like that's not who goes sees rush concerts and i'm like they're too pretty she's like they're way too pretty <laughs> rush concerts every time i'm gone has been middle-aged men only well, middle-aged rushes for rushes for math nerds too yeah yeah but middle-aged men is their like go-to audience right and this had like hot LA girls, and it's like, well, we didn't have any girls at those concerts. <laughs> well, Sarah was there. Is right. she not a hot girl? She was the token hot girl. Oh, okay. It's pretty cool. Well, what what do you got for me? What's this game? Okay, uh, it's the Impossible Rush trivia game, starring Rush. Okay. So uh, the first question, I'm going to give it's so it's gonna, impossible. You're telling me it's impossible. You might be able to get this. Okay. Multiple choice. It's impossible. I am the impossible man. What year? Was Rush inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Bro, bro, that would give be you t- three options. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's what I was waiting for. A, 1972, B, 1980, or C, 1980. 
2007. Mm-hmm. C, 2013. Okay, 2007 was a crazy year, like, for for numbers all around. Um, and I will say their first album came out in 1974. Yeah, I'm going to say 2007. Eh, wrong. Uh, 2013, and it was wow. acknowledged by all fans of rock and roll that it was so late to the party. Mm, okay. It was so late. Boo, Rock and Roll Hall of Boo, Fame. Thanks for getting there eventually, fame. but... Okay, at the induction ceremony, mm-hmm. when guitarist... Alex Lifeson accepted the award mm-hmm. for Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. What word did he use more than a dozen times? Was it A, yeah? Was it B, blah? Was it C, honored? D, thanks. Yeah, blah, honor, thanks. Okay, well, I'm going to do this by process of el- elimination. I'm going to say he is not Zuko from Avatar, so it's not honored. <laughs> yeah and thanks are both things that I would expect somebody to say and so the whole reason you brought this up is because it's such an odd thing so I'm gonna say blah blah it is yes it is not impossible not only did he use it more than a dozen times that is the only word he used in his acceptance speech wait 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 did it go something like blah 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 blah, blah. Blah 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 Okay. In the 1970s, when Rush was still, you know, garnering popularity, they were an opening opening band. Mm-hmm. What band did they open for? Was it A, Kiss, B, Styx, C, Rat, or D, Toto? Kiss, Styx, Rat, Toto. Bless you. <laughs> Toto. Um, I like that you're wearing a Totoro sweater. I that am. wasn't a clue. I am, I am, I am. Mother of Pearl. What was the first band? Kiss. Not not Kiss. Okay. Um, Kiss, Sticks, Rat, Toto. Okay, based on what you said, what year was this? In the 70s. Based on what you said, like I, I really wanted to say Toto just for the fun of it, but I'm going to say Sticks just because of the outfits. Mm. You would be wrong, sir. It. it was Kiss. It was? Yes. Why? 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 It always threw me, and they're such different bands. They are, and it was one of those. One of the great stories of the two bands was how much Kiss thought Rush. Just they thought Rush were such nerds. They just thought they were. Yeah, they thought they were the biggest dorks. They would never really come out and party. And when they did come out and party, they would scare all the girls away because they were being so weird. (laughs) Um, Okay, what's the weirdest opening band that you've seen for like a band that you went to see? I saw Radiohead, and instead of the Killers opening, it was just Killers opened for them, and they were very clear. They're like like murderers. (laughs) The band name is called Killers, and they're like we're Killers, not the Killers. Killers. Wait, they literally, like, it was supposed to be the Killers. No, no. Oh, okay. I thought they replaced it, and they're like, no, we have to have a band that's similar right, because we no. can't change the signs. But they, their opening act was Killers, 
and I was like, that is very confusing. Don't have. I'm pretty sure the killers came after killers. Oh, and the, okay. And I'm sure killers were just like, whatever. We're killers. We don't need to. <laughs> what about you? Oh man, um, most made sense. Uh, I saw. I think. I think it was no. Was it Lyle Lovett that opened for Kenny Loggins? That sounds nice. That sounds like a nice time. Yeah, but imagine the yodeling cowboy and then Danger Zone comes on. Sure. This was back when I was like six. I mean, if you're living in a Midwest town, you know, I can imagine both. Like, if you're in Flashdance, this is what the the bad, evil pastor listened to was I love it, right? (laughs) Right, exactly. He wouldn't listen to Kenny Loggins. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if we were in the dance, uh, if we were in Flashdance, the town. The Not Flashdance. What's what's the movie I'm Footloose. Footloose. Did Thank I you. say Flashdance? No, I just thought Flashdance. It's got dancing in yeah. way. They're the same movie, right, Robin? <laughs> Robin's pulling her hair out right now. Yeah. Don't, babe. You don't. Don't. You, don't. you like your hair. Just don't. don't. Okay, last question. Uh, how are you doing? You're doing... I'm sweating a little bit. Like, I mean... You got... I'm not used to getting this many wrong... Uh, yeah, okay. Let's see if you can get 50%. <laughs> I doubt it from the tone of your voice. Okay. Original drummer John Rutsey quit after their first album and was replaced by legend Neil Peart. Rest Peart. In peace. Peart. So original drummer John Rutsey quit after the first album and became A, a ventriloquist, B, bodybuilder, C, tax accountant, or D, a priest. Oh, man. Like, if somebody's going to quit rock and roll to become anything, <laughs> like, I don't, you either, you okay, if you're quitting because you're like, I can't live this poor lifestyle because we haven't made it anywhere yet, then you become an accountant because it's stable. If you leave it because you're like, I'm done with the drugs, sex, and rock and roll, I'm going to be a priest. Um, but they never did drug, sex, or rock and roll. Right. You're right. So are you just trying to throw me off? I am. Hmm. hmm. A priest it is. Nope. Was sorry. it a cotton? Nope. Not Damn even it. that. He became bodybuilder? a bodybuilder. Wow. See, uh, drummers, let me see your arms. Let me see your. Uh, <laughs> you can't see them, and they're very quiet, but there's explosions coming off Ryan's arms. They're so big. Those are drummer arms, child holding arms. <laughs> well, you're right, Ryan. It was impossible. There's no way I was going to win that. Dishonor upon my family. That's okay. You'll get me next time. Dishonor. Dishonor. So let's talk about uh, the Rush movie starring Rush with Rush featuring Rush. Yeah, it's cool that they got Rush in this movie, huh? It was cool. It's I Love You, Man. Should we tell a story? Yeah. Let me tell you a story. Okay. Tell me a story, Turk. Let me tell you a story about love, D'Artagnan. I ask you about love, probably quote me a sonnet. I'm not much more than an interpreter and not very good at telling stories. That's the end. What do you mean that's the end? That's not. It's the beginning of something interesting. Listen, that's the end of that saga. The end. So we got Zoe and Pete, right? Pistol Pete. Pistol Pete, as played by the lovable, the untamable, Unattainable Paul Rudd. He is, he is so... He's a mate. Like, I, I can't not like Paul Rudd. Yeah. Even in a movie that we really disliked, they came together. I still liked Paul Rudd in it. You still like him. 
and and then um, playing opposite him as Zoe is Rashida Jones, who is also great in this movie. Um, and they basically get engaged in the first scene. Mm-hmm. And this first scene, he's kind of describing like what he wants to do with this basketball court and turn it into like this thing that he wants to build because he's a he's a real estate guy. Mm-hmm. And so he wants to buy this land and have something built there. Real estate person, not generally what we see. Um, like our our main characters doing like he, I would assume he'd be the architect in in our rom com. Yeah, oeuvre. usually they're like you know if they have a really nice house in Southern California, they usually are you know working as a baker or like a barista, candlestick or maker, a, a baker, a Quaker, candlestick maker. Um, but you, they usually have, you know, very high flying lifestyles. Right. So you just need to be what make 10 bucks an hour. You can, you can afford that. Yeah, sure. Right. Um, yeah. Especially if you're a baker, right? Sure. He, he gets down on one knee and proposes in the scene and it's sappy and it's sweet and it's not necessarily anything special, but it's really the car ride on the way home that we understand their relationship and the fact that she has friends that she tells everything to. Yeah. And this movie is so well written. And so I think as a comedy, well edited and Mm -hmm. it comes from people's reactions. Um, I, 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 the, the type of movie that this is, it has some comedy in it that bridges on comedy that you, you might see another director do and do worse. But uh, even just in a car ride, I liked this movie. Yeah. Yeah, they she she calls her girlfriends and they have this conference call and it gets very uh not gross cuz they talk about sexy things, but it gets kind of gross. But it feels like uh, so we watched uh what was the movie we watched a couple weeks ago? Um it's complicated. It's complicated. <laughs> it's complicated. I am broken. I am lost. So it's a little dashboard confessional. I don't even know if those are right lyrics. Oh, close enough. Anyway, so we have girl talk in that movie, right? Oh, Where I love girl talk in this movie. I love girl talk in this movie because it feels like like these people have been friends for a long time. They there's no like like affected bullshit. They're just like talking to each other. Mm-hmm. And uh it's just funny watching Paul Rudd like react to all of it but be the perfect boyfriend that he is. And we kind of see that they have a perfect relationship. What's their only problem? Well, so what we find out is, you know, Rashida Jones is so excited that all her girlfriends get to find out that she's engaged and they mm-hmm. all get to celebrate the fact. But then they realize Paul Rudd has no one to tell and no one to celebrate this fact. And he's not even like excited to tell anyone. Yeah, there's just no one in his life that he's got to tell. I mean, his brother he's not very close with, his parents he would call in the morning, but there's no good, you know, good no guy No good friends. buds. No good bros. Yeah. Ryan, the reason why I didn't have to tell you is because you were at my engagement. Right, I was. I planned your engagement. Mm-hmm. I was actually like chief co-chief architect. Exactly. Your, like I got the DVD ready. I got all of the friends' videos there, editing with you. Yeah, you and Becca were being all sneaky behind the scenes. It was good. Got the um, Joe versus the volcano Blu-ray and the thing. Have you ever been Pete? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about that. I mean. I always, well, I got the worst version of him because I didn't even have a girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) I was just, I don't know about your high school experience, but half the time in high school, my guy friends had girlfriends, so I wasn't very close with them in the first place. 
Okay. And then the girls that I was friends with were girls that would cloister away from me. Because you were uh, the only guy in the group. Right. Yeah. So, all- so you had a lot of friends who were girls. Yeah, but I always felt more comfortable with girls. I yeah. found that I related to them more. Uh-huh. I don't know if that was reciprocal. But, <laughs> but, but you felt that way. I felt more cozy I did girls. too. Like I actually growing up most of the time, my first best friend was Christine Dempster. And I had guy friends growing up. I had even a couple best friends that were guy friends growing up, but it wasn't stuff that stuck around for a long time in the same way that like girl friendships seem to last longer yeah. for me. Yeah. And I can never, see, in high school, I could just never bridge the gap between the many lady friends I had and getting a girlfriend from the many lady friends I had. Mm-hmm. And part of it was trying and never happening. The other part of it was just, you know, wasn't wasn't in the cards sure. for, for any of us. But college, I finally found you. Yeah. <laughs> it's got so much better when I met you. I, like watching this movie, I'm so glad we're doing this on Valentine's Day. This, in certain respects, is kind of the story of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where, granted, it's not like we were at different points in time of our life because we met in college. And I like that we met in college. Yeah. But the problem was, it was kind of like you and I, you and I were both Pete. Yeah. And we were both looking for uh, Jason Segel, which we'll get to in a minute, to kind of be best buds with. Yeah. And like open and broy and like, I mean, I'm going to say it vulnerable with mm-hmm. like be be the kind of friend where you can kind of like let down your guard and facade around and just like be yourself. Mm hmm. And we kind of found that with each other. So I'm glad we're doing that today. Yeah. I was thinking about my male friendships over the years. And I remember when I was in grade school, I had a tough time making any friends. And then as soon as I made friends. How bad did you stink in grade school? Like physically stink? Physically. Uh, I was okay. Yeah, I was okay too. <laughs> but I was just wondering because my brother stank really bad. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, that wasn't my problem. Okay. When I finally made friends, I made three friends. We all loved Star Wars. That's when my parents decided we need to move to Washington. Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, no, I'd have to start all over. That happened with me too. I, I moved to Washington as well from California. And it was, how old were you? Like nine. I was nine and a half. Yeah. Um, and I moved away from Kevin, Mark, and Nick Cobley. Mm-hmm. They were like my three buds that I'd like just become close friends with. And it was like, bye. Yeah, I moved away from Jenna, Matt, and some other guy. <laughs> Sorry, I only was friends with you for like three months. <laughs> He's listening right now. And wh- who's the guy in this movie that go- he- that Pete goes on a date with? Thomas and- Lennon. Yeah, he's so hurt. <laughs> he's right there just crying. It was the taste of betrayal, you fucking whore. But I remember another time, uh, I-, I hope it's okay that we can go on diatribes. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, all yeah. About this friendship. Is, yeah, yeah. It's all about male Let's friendship. I remember in s- like fifth or sixth grade, I was supposed to pair off with someone and go to their, like, meet up with them to do a school project. Mm-hmm. And I remember his mom, like, being his agent and manipulating in a way where, like, well, why don't you guys go do this? Because you can, like, hang out and do this and kind of, like, get to know each other better. And I, in my head, I was just kind of, like, I didn't understand where she was, what she was getting at. I was just kind of, like... Was she playing? She was like playing matchmaker. Yeah, she was just trying mm. to get us to be friends because yeah. I think this this kid. Well, we're both kids, so I don't mean to be demeaning. We were, <laughs> <laughs> but this kid, 
needed help finding friends and his mom was trying to manipulate it so that we would be friends, but sure. I was totally not catching on to it. And I like basically indirectly like sabotaged that. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that. I just want to get the project done. Because <laughs> I didn't under, I thought she was just like saying, here's a redundant way to get the job done. I was like, no, I just want to like get the project done. It sounds done. like you were a little bit your own worst enemy. Yeah. It's, I had nothing problem against the kid, my classmate, but I felt really bad once like a day sure. later. I was like, Oh, she wanted us to hang out. Uh. Well, I mean, that's that's kind of the thing about being set up, right? Yeah. Whether whether it's friendship or whether you're being set up with somebody for like a romantic relationship, I don't know. Like, it doesn't. It rarely works when it's a setup, unless you set yourself up for success. I mean, yeah, honestly, like the the times where I've like I haven't gone on a lot of dates via the internet. Um, but I know that a lot of people like we, I know people who have gotten married that way and you met Robin over the internet technically. I mean, we didn't see, yeah, but it wasn't like we went on a date because of the internet. Well, I'm, uh, no, 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 we didn't. I, we, well, no, we, 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 <laughs> it's not like you both met on, on like a, a forum, a dating forum. No, it was, it was somebody quote unquote set us up because we would do good film work together. It would be basically the equivalent of somebody being like, Hey, you should talk to Ryan. He wants to edit. Yeah. But I'm sure that friend was probably thinking he's hot. She's hot. I don't know. Chloe right into the show. I want to know. Did you know that there'd be a mutual hotness between them? A mutual did, hotness. Did you know mutual that there hotness was is the name chemistry? of my new metal band? I think that's the way that you're supposed to set people up, though, is that it's supposed to be something completely different. Right. So they don't go into it with the like nervous expectation of, ooh, this is a date. Oh, oh I got to tell you, Doug, I, I really enjoyed this. You know, I've been out with so many jerks recently. It's nice to meet somebody I can have an actual conversation with. Okay, but uh, let's, let's keep going in the movie because basically that's where we get to is. He tells his parents uh, at this dinner, and we get to meet uh, his parents, J.K. Simmons. Yeah. Uh, and who's his mom? Um, Jane Curtin. Jane Curtin. Saturday Night Live. Yes. And his brother, Andy Samberg, also so of Saturday Night Li- Live fame. Yeah, so good. And he he plays, like, I love how my favorite, one of my favorite scenes in the movie is how J.K. Simmons is explaining that Donnie, is that the brother's name? Yeah, I think so. And then there's Robbie. Uh, yeah, Adam Sandberg is his best friend, uh, along with Greg. And Hank Mardukas. Hank Mardukas. <laughs> um, but uh, we basically get to the point where um, Pete overhears the girlfriends, the talking. girlfriends talking about him and, and saying, like, saying it's creepy that he has no friends. Yeah. And so he gets self-conscious and he try he starts going out on friend dates behind his wife's back in order to gain friends without her knowing. Yeah. So he meets this guy online and it turns out to be a really old guy. Um, he meets Thomas Lennon, who is friends with his mom. Um, who, the, who else did he meet? Uh, the high. Uh, oh, um, his brother sets him up with this guy to go to a soccer game who has a really high voice. Yeah. Have you watched Brooklyn Nine-Nine? No. So that's Joe Lotriglio from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And he and Andy Samberg are co-stars together. Uh, okay. And great. so this had some major Brooklyn Nine-Nine vibes. Cool. Is it good? I've heard it's a really good show. So uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine has become my new favorite show. When did you start watching days? it? Like three days ago. Oh, okay. We're almost done with season one. And it's been, when we first started watching it, it was so fast and loose that it's formatted a lot like The Office, a lot like Parks and Rec, but it plays it so much looser than those two shows. And it was just kind of like the acting is really broad. And mm-hmm. I'm just, just like, 
I can't really latch on to any of these characters because it's so goofball. Yeah. But after the year it's been, it's just like, I don't want to latch on to anybody. I just want <laughs> just laughs and goofs. And like there, there is character development. It's just, it's not as so far in the first season, it's not prevalent like Parks and Rec or The Office. Sure. The Office is so, yeah, I mean, so much fun. The, when you go back and watch the first seasons of either of those two, it's like there's hints of greatness, but it's not, you know, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He goes on a date with one of these guys and it, it ends up like being a an actual date that he doesn't realize he's on. Right. Um, but none of it's working out. And like most romances, it really only happens when you least expect it. When you When you stop looking. When you stop looking. So he meets uh, Sidney Fife, played by Jason Segel, yeah. who shows up to the open house at Lou Ferrigno's listing. I think if you combined you and me, took away all of our pretension that we possibly have, then we would have Sidney Fife. Well, I don't know about you, but my perception of you was 90% Sidney Fife when I first met you. Yeah, I would say that's about right. <laughs> but... Uh, at the same time, like, I mean, I can't pull off, oh, maybe I can pull off Uggs. I haven't tried. Anyway. Um, oh, well, you know, you have had days like that where you'll put on a checker shirt with a striped short scarf and, and some shorts. You've had days like that where you just, I think Robbins described it as something like you put on that whatever it's at arm's reach when you're getting dressed and anything that's like within yeah, but, reach is but what the you put other on. days I'm completely dapper. Right, you have one or the other where you have zero fucks to give about your clothes. Right now, or all I'm wearing a sweatshirt with Totoro and some slacks. No, today you look good. But, <laughs> but I mean, when you met Sarah for the first time, you were wearing like... I was went, on a run. You were on a run, but and you were wearing was, like... It was the middle of winter. But you're like, uh, it's the middle of winter. I should put on the scarf. <laughs> well, I wanted people to see it flowing like a cape. You had like... I wanted to dry, st- strike a dramatic Tell the people what you were wearing. I was wearing tights and there were shorts over my tights and then there was a shirt and that was covered by a hoodie and there was a scarf and maybe a headband. I don't know, maybe some gloves. What what was upsetting to me is that you looked so interesting and you came into the coffee shop and I was like, he looks so interesting right now that Sarah's just going to want to talk to him and figure out what this guy's deal is. So go away. Ryan, based on how you dress, Sarah doesn't care about how interesting people look. (laughs) Oh, Oh that was called a burn on bromance day. (laughs) Uh, joke's on you because I'm wearing my special sexy shirt because it's kind of tight and it's got Star Wars on it. So it's kind joke's of Joke's on me anyway, shirt. man. She married you. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I... You won. <laughs> you won. Your wife married you. You hear that, Sarah? Huzzah. Ryan won. All's well that ends well. Anyway, so um, basically the, the, the great thing about Sidney Fife is that he... Just doesn't give any fucks. Yeah, he's really cool. He's super chill, and he's yeah. and he's just, he's not brutally honest, but he's just honest. He's, and he has he no. He sees the world as it is. Yeah, yeah. And so he and Paul Rudd hit it off really well. And Paul Rudd's thinking, hey, you know, it's basically meet cute. Yeah, it is. It's the, and that that's the great thing about this movie is that it's just taking the tropic center formula almost and yeah. it's just doing it with bros mm-hmm. like if if you replaced and added a couple more kisses into this movie if you replaced like w- one of them with a uh, one of their characters with a non-friendship but a romantic relationship mm-hmm. it would just play like a rom-com yeah and you know <clears throat> this is probably more appropriate for the like summation of the film but this is kind of like what hetero platonic love ought to look like yeah like, I mean, every relationship is different, but there's a, 
there is a beautiful, beautiful, I don't know. I don't even know what to call it. It's just, I, I think I hate to always go back to this word because I think I always just harp on it, but it's kind of a vulnerability, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It. It's, I guess, the inverse. We always harp on, like, toxic masculinity. So for me, this is, like, the inverse of whatever toxic masculinity is. Like, this yeah. is, like holding up on a pedestal, this is how men should treat other men, and this is how they should be in relation with each other. Right, because they are, they're not holding each other to some weird standards. Mm-hmm. They're not... Well, the only standard they're holding each other to, like any good relationship, is to be truthful and honest and speak, right. and speak to that. And when one of them is that way, it's not like... Like when, at one point in time, um, they have kind of a breakup... It's it hurts for both of them, but it's not something that one of them like freaks out about and, you know, uh, takes the other person's head off or makes them feel bad for their feelings. That's it's just like a good friendship where Mm -hmm. you're understanding each other, even if you disagree about something Mm -hmm. like they and they that's like exemplified by their first quote unquote date that they go on. Because Mm -hmm. after they meet at um, Lou Ferrigno's house, which. Pete is trying to sell in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have them meet at a taco bar, mm-hmm. and it, it, it like Jason Segel is is so immediately disarming. Oh yeah, took on the giant a barrel of beer to get drunk sometimes too. Hello, pretty lady. And about the warmer peanut. <laughs> Where not only is he charming, he's got this smile to him that is like. If if I was persuaded towards dudes, I think Jason Segel would be he'd be kind, the one that does it. He'd be the one that does it for me because he's just he's got such a twinkle in his eye. But otherwise, he would always be his bro. Oh yeah, for sure. He's and and this they, this conversation they have where he is trying to get Pete to open up to him a little bit about like you know I don't know what does he ask him. Oh, does he ask him about sex? Or blowjobs? Is this where he talks about? Oh yeah, that's the first night. Yeah, gets to uh, gets Pete to tell him that his wife doesn't like doing blowjobs. Yeah, and but he doesn't judge him for it or anything. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's kind of like the other beautiful thing about the way this like male relationship works between these two guys is there's no judgment between the two of them, but they want the best for each other. That's that's kind of a non-toxic way to be about it. Yeah. Because he's not like, you should go get some blowjobs, man. Right. It's just like, oh, no, I get it. I mean, it's, you know, I, I think there should be some sympath, like, or simpatico things in relationships, but eh, that's fine. Don't yeah. worry about it. So uh, they basically kind of keep this friendship going and they just start to kind of explore what this friendship would be like uh-huh and it's really new to pete right like yeah. he's so bad at it mm-hmm. and luckily jason segel is so chill because like pete is bad at uh even like saying goodbye yeah right he can't say goodbye without being a nervous wreck and he's just super awkward and like there's this great scene where he he calls sydney like the first or second time to like hang out with him and it's just brutally awkward he's just falling all over himself with this phone call it's and so good this voicemail and it's just so brilliant because it's paul rudd being right. so charming yeah <sighs> just two hey pathetic sydney how you doing it's peter clavin hey sydney it's peter clavin get some guts with you that's cheese Oh my god. 
Hey, Peter. Hey, Carolyn. Hey, Peter, it's Sidney Clavin. No, that's not right. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Sidney, it's Peter Clavin. I uh, met you last week at an open house, and um, I had a showing. And uh, anyway, uh, I was wondering if you uh, ever wanted to get together and uh, talk about real estate uh, and whatnot, or whatnot. And Actually, hey. Um. Uh. Well, I'm sorry. I forgot what I was going to say. What was I saying? Um. Uh. Yes, the open house, and we met. Anyway, no rush. You call me back whenever you get a mo, get a uh, moment, and um, we will talk when I talk to you. All right. I uh, hope you're having a great day. Okay. Bye now. Fuck. Whenever he's awkward, he's still charming. Yeah. But the 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 good thing about this script is it shows how he relates to women a lot. Like he does small talk in the office with women just beautifully. So well. Like like in a way where when he's leaving them, he's just like like yeah. he, he is winking a smile leaving, not because he's flirting with them, but because there's almost nothing of his pride at stake for some reason. Yeah. But when it comes to men, he he has this weird thing where he has to act a certain way. Right. And I feel like for a long time, that's kind of how I felt because I didn't naturally bro with people. Mm -hmm. And so since I didn't naturally bro with people, I was just awkward when I tried. Yeah. And it's fine now because I've learned the language and I'm just more of a bro now. But through high school and even into college, I just like I walked into a group of friends when I was a sophomore of col in college that had been friends for four years. And I just ended up dorming with them for that year. And like I was lucky they were so nice because I was such an awkward idiot. <laughs> I was like just like Pete. Yeah. And I, I was lucky that they were even at all close to being like um, Jason Segel, because it really allowed me a space to not worry so much about fucking up mm -hmm. to the point where I could learn to be myself around. Them. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I really related to um, Pete in this movie is that he's super comfortable with talking to women like his coworkers. Mm -hmm. And that was me in high school is that I had a lot of friends that were girls and I could very easily talk to them about anything. Yeah. But when it came to like asking a girl out, that's how I would be on the phone. <laughs> Just this awkward <laughs> dribbling mess. And it's like, why can I talk to girls in a friendly manner, but I can't just ask a girl out? Like, you know. Right. And, and I feel like Pete probably has, I think he was a little bit more like me where I, I didn't really have a problem with asking a girl out. Mm -hmm. Like that wasn't my deal. And Pete seems to have, and this is kind of akin to, to me as well gone from relationship to relationship to relationship. And that's always kind of hard because you don't really get to develop who you are by yourself with platonic friends. And I think that's, you know, no shame on you if you have just gone from relationship to relationship and got married. But I think that's something that I really needed as an individual before I got married was having some time to just develop 
a little bit more of who I was with myself and my friends. And friends are a good way to do that so that when you're, you know, actually in a committed relationship, you can kind of bring that energy over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they get to this point where they start to trust each other more and start to really get an understanding of each other. And Sydney's really bringing out the this repressed personality that mm-hmm. Peter's had and he finally gets to just unleash because he hasn't had the outlet yet because he doesn't get that opportunity with his his girlfriend which makes sense because the way you and I get to be around each other there's certain things that you know we can't really exercise when we're with our ladies yeah uh, mainly involving video games mm-hmm. star wars well, Sarah really likes Sarah Star really Wars. Likes she Star would take Wars issue now. with that. So I want to say. Yeah. Well, it didn't used to be that way, though. I know. And I it just, the, this is what's great about marriage. It just gets better and better like that, where <laughs> you influence each other because there are like things about like Sarah's really into interior design stuff and home make homemaking. Yeah. Not, not homemaking. Sorry, 1975. Interior but, design. <laughs> but, but you know, that whole HGTV thing. Uh-huh. And she, I'm totally into it now because of her. And, Likewise, she's super into Star Wars. And, uh, I love, I love us. You know what Robin's been getting me into recently? Huh. Perfect Strangers. Perfect. Have you ever seen Perfect Strangers? No, but I remember you guys were like obsessed with that. You were like, watch, th- watch this clip from this show. It's so like, okay, like like a year and a half ago, she introduced me to a couple episodes, and a couple days ago, speaking of bromances, it's it's about like we started watching it again because Robin's been feeling kind of sick and. She um, like this. This show is about like a couple of cousins who live together in Chicago, but they're just really good comedic actors, and they have they have like a physicality uh, akin to like a Buster Keaton. Oh, okay. um, but it's it's just like it's if you, it's if you mixed Buster Keaton with um, How I Met Your Mother. Oh, I love it. Yeah, it's really good. You should you should check it out. Okay. Um, I'm glad I'm glad she's got that influence on you. Yeah, she does. Uh, but. Uh, but yeah, Robin likes Star Wars, but she just doesn't like talking about it as much as you do. <laughs> no, we gotta we gotta work on that. Yeah, we will. Don't worry about it. Uh, so the thing that really gets these guys going is their Rush. mutual love of Rush. Mm-hmm. Which, when that part in the movie happened, when I was in the theater, did like, you stand up? <laughs> my fingers just like dug into the armrests, and my my soul was like. Is this my new favorite movie? I think so. <laughs> it so was it was one of those things where probably one every once per f- five or six years you're watching something you're like this is an important piece of media like right, right off the bat. Right. When was know, the last time that happened to you? You know, uh, I I don't know exactly when the last time it was that happened to me where it was big and important and like I, I could probably sit here and think about it for the a while. The other one I've got is Inception. Inception was actually a really big one for me. That was when I knew that I wanted to make movies. Yeah. And here we are making podcasts. Um, <laughs> Close enough. But I did watch Soul the other night. Oh. And it was, I, I had really low expectations going in. Not because Pixar doesn't do great work, but I, I just feel like I've been kind of like mediocre by them recently where mm. I, I've been like, this is good, but it's not wowing me like it used to. And... It, I wouldn't say this movie wowed me, but it really brought some fresh stuff to the genre. Highly recommend Soul. Okay. Um, but yeah, I remember seeing Inception and just being like, oh no. Floored. It, it's like that thing where it's so good that like as a filmmaker, you're kind of like, you're, you're, you're mad that it's so good, but you're also happy because it's like inspiring you to work harder. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good feeling. Um, but 
yes, this movie, and especially when they play music together. It's like, so fun. What is it about playing music with somebody where like it's I think it really illustrates that vulnerability, but like that trust and like mm-hmm. you have to be creating. And if you're gonna be creating together, you can't be at odds. You have to be like in sync in some way. Yes. So good scene. Modern day warrior, mean, mean stride. Today's Tom Sawyer, mean, mean pride. That's it. How's that feel? Just tasty. Yeah? You sound pretty good, buddy. The other good male friendships I've had, and I feel guilty I haven't talked to them for a while, <laughs> but Cam and Cam, Alex, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Alex Woods and Cameron Hodges, we, know were, those guys. we were in a band people. together, and we played a lot of music over the years. I was in a few bands with Cam, and it's just one of those things where I think every musician knows this, of like that point where you're in the groove, where you can look at someone, and that's all you need to do, and so much is communicated, and like while you're playing, just this there's this like um, constant back and forth of conversation going on where it's like okay we're we're eight bars into this something's going to change and you're both on the same page. Uh-huh. There's, I mean that's that thing where I I really wasn't good at jamming per mm-hmm. se back in the day because I didn't learn piano that way I learned classical piano Mm -hmm. and so I was always jealous of people who could jam together and when that first time that I had a jam session where I was just like where I switched keys because somebody else switched keys I was like oh this is like I I still wasn't good at it but I was like this is different (laughs) this is like this is like a real connection between a couple of people it's interesting yeah it would have been I would like to see a different bromantic comedy that's about a band I mean me too that thing you do kind of could have gotten into it, but it doesn't really. It could have. Yeah. It could have gone in a direction where these guys couldn't gotten really close. But it's since really were... not about the friendships. No, no. Unless it's him. Unless it's t- Tom Hanks lookalike and Liv Tyler. Yeah, because they're Scott. they're really the best friends in the uh, in the movie. Yeah, they get yeah. close because of it. But I would love to be best friends with Lenny. Yeah, everybody would. But unfortunately, he's running a casino. Yeah. So <sighs> they they get super into Rush. They play music together. And then uh, they figure out uh, that there's like this Rush concert to go to. And that's when um, Pete brings Zoe, Zoe. to meet him. And Zoe thinks, oh, it'll be like a fun night where we're going to a rock concert. and Because it was a good supposed time. to be their date night. Yeah, but it just turns out to Sydney and Pete just rocking out together. And right. And super so, gross. So it's not necessarily that he's because we don't get that scene where he's been hanging out too much with Pete and she's like, you're not hanging out with me anymore or anything like that. It never gets to that level, but she definitely feels like there's two different versions of Pete, right? Yeah. There's there's the Pete that hangs out with um, Sydney and then there's the other Pete. Yeah, I've definitely had this problem with sarah where i don't know why but i'm just i'm i'm sweeter when i'm just with her Uh but i'm more like looking to get laughs and just teasing everybody and i tease her more in front of people Uh and she's like why do you do that i'm like i don't know i'm just having fun but she totally pointed out and it's like yeah that's not cool and that's totally legit criticisms like i shouldn't be different when i'm in like a crowd of friends i should be me yeah but i mean that's that's kind of humans is we we bring different energies to different groups of people. Yeah. I feel like. And so still, I shouldn't tease my wife. No. Well, I, I can mean, tease her, but it depends on, on your I relationship. Should be mean. <laughs> well, no, but I, I, I hear what you're saying, but there's, there's also something where I feel like a couple, especially is a particular way around each other and they're really sweet and loving, or they have like their own communication style. Mm-hmm. And that 
has to change around other people. And it's not that they can't like, it doesn't have to be a drastic change, but like, like, have you ever been on a date with another couple where you and your wife are trying to like mix the conversation up and having everybody have a conversation, but the other couple is just interacting with each other? Um, yeah, with you. <laughs> no, <laughs> kidding. Ouch. No, no. No, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised with one of my past relationships. I don't think I've been stuck in that. There's the other couples that we haven't been able to go out with the past 11 months. Sure. The problem always falls out, and this is such a traditional problem, is that the girls and guys split off and the guys just do their shop talk and the girls do their shop talk and it's not really two couples hanging out it's two guys hanging out and two girls hanging out and it's not two couples hanging out uh yeah that's been my problem oh yeah i guess so you and i have that problem too because we literally well, that's talk we, shop when you, you yeah we literally have a, a shop to talk about but that's just like friends hanging out i'm talking yeah. about a date date night like it's been too long I've, man <laughs> I've, I've had that date before where i'm hanging out with a couple that doesn't really know how to hang out with other people and so they're very insular with each other and yeah. and they don't like bring everybody into the conversation or one person's just like too concerned with what's going on between the two of them. And they're so annoying. To I me. feel like that was a college thing where it, there was a lot of new relationships and it was like big deal relationships because it was actually real this time. Sure. And it wasn't like high school. And I feel like I ran into that a lot and bugged me because <laughs> especially I didn't being have, a third wheel yeah i didn't have yeah. a girlfriend to like be like oh i have no one <laughs> what's, so, what's worse being a third wheel or a fifth wheel i feel like a fifth wheel you have more of an opportunity to break in fifth wheel you have an audience fifth wheel you can actually like be like hey i'm the clown in this situation <laughs> hey you're both ignoring me <laughs> um okay so the clincher the clincher scene is when sydney comes like they have their um it's what is it it's a like pre-wedding dinner it's the the engagement dinner or oh yeah something. The, yeah the engagement party yeah party but like hold on rehearsal dinner rehearsal dinner oh it's a rehe- is it a rehearsal dinner uh, no it's... way it would have been way before the wedding what was it uh, some dinner yeah it was some dinner but anyway like jason segel does a this is the second time he's met everybody mm-hmm. no no that's when he meets her yeah yeah, yeah. And because so this is before the Rush concert, but he gives a toast where he kind of alludes to the fact that he goes down on her, but she doesn't go down on him. It will play that here. Yeah. What an honor it is to be sitting here with Peter and Zoe's friends, family, uh, Haley, Robbie's lover, Robbie, Oz, Joyce. Thank you for for hosting this beautiful dinner. Got this guy with the smoking hot wife. And finally, we got Zoe. Zoe, you are about to marry one of the most honest, kind, and fun-loving people I've ever had the honor of knowing. The pistol is a pleasure giver, that's for sure. Yeah, fucking puke pistol. And the thing about a man like that, a man like Peter, is that he never asks for anything in return. And that's why I'm here. I'm here as Peter's friend, as Peter's confidant, just to say to you, beautiful Zoe, give it back. Yeah? Return the favor. And if you do, I guarantee that you will have a beautiful and pleasure-filled union. 
I don't think she sucks his dick. Oh, watch your mouth. With that, I'd like to raise a glass to Pete and Zoe. Cheers. It's real awkward, and it kind of starts off this, I wouldn't say it crumbles Zoe and Peter's relationship, but it definitely puts a chink in it. Yeah. Yeah, and it makes her kind of doubt this friendship that he's got in the first place, and that kind of seeps back towards Peter, where he's realizing his friendship with uh, Jason Sagal hasn't isn't doing him much help at the moment. It's making things worse for him. Right. And at first it's just like, you know, new friends stumbling blocks where you don't necessarily know how to act. And, you know, it seems like Jason Segel doesn't have, even though he has friends, he doesn't have a close relationship right now. Yeah. And he definitely doesn't have a close romantic relationship because he's just kind of a... Like I'll see you later, yeah, kind of guy, and that's that's what he wants to do. And yeah, that's fine. What he wants to do, but it looks like he's looking for a close relationship as much as Peter is, just from different angles. Yeah, but you know, because of because of their differences, uh, Peter is getting more and more freaked out that he's losing his grip with Zoe, and it gets to a point where she moves out of the house to live with her friend for a while. Well, that's that's because of advice that it's also because of advice that P, that Sydney gave, gave him. him. In addition to him lending Sydney eight thousand dollars, yeah. So without just, telling his wife, all these things that were caused by Sydney kind of causes this explosion to his relationship with Zoe, and he decides to call it off with Sydney. Yeah. And again, we're back into that romantic comedy trope where it's like, okay, end of Act Two, they have the breakup, right? Where we break them up, uh-huh. and it, it's heartbreaking for everybody. The things that break it up is, um, besides what we've already mentioned, Jason Segel also. He's been trying to teach Pete how to like use a little bit more of his testosterone. Mm-hmm. And part of that boils over the pot when he gets in a fight with Lou Ferrigno because there's this whole subplot where there's another person at Pete's real estate firm, Tevin, who is trying to poach Lou Ferrigno's house. And this house sale is supposed to pay for like all of uh, Peter's dreams. Yeah. Um, and like Jason Segel's version of this, of standing up for his friend, it's, it's un, it's not unmotivated. It's it's just, um, it's, it's something where he, he needs to think a little bit more before he acts, which is something Peter does too much. Yeah. Whereas Tevin, I think on the other side of that is this movie's representation of like more of a toxic masculinity. Cause he's yeah. sharing like really gross porn videos with him at work and like walking up behind him and just like poking him a whole bunch and mm-hmm. being like, you need to get yourself out there, man. And be all, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's a terrible impersonation. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of how he makes me feel inside. Yeah. But he, he Jason Segel loses Pete, the uh, Lou Ferrigno gig. Yeah. And because he bar- Jason Segel is being kind of a hothead. Yeah. And so it's, it's like kind of their two sides of the same coin, right? Mm-hmm. And what does he do with the $8,000? So he takes the money and he puts Pete's face on all these billboards and just these redonkulous ads where he photoshops him into all these ridiculous situations where he makes him look like um, like a cowboy or like a spy. Or, or he's got a Speedo on. Yeah. They're great. I, I, I just want, <laughs> I want like one of those framed in my house one day. Yeah. They, they break up, but... But it it really isn't too long until like the wedding's on and who saves the day? But Zoe. Zoe saves the day, calls Sydney, who's gonna go to the wedding anyways. Yeah, he, even he's on his way to the wedding. But I like Sydney a lot because she Zoe. Sorry, Zoe. I like Zoe a lot because she 
she not only has her own wants and needs as a character. I think sometimes in movies like this, the the like significant other can be shunted to the side a little bit. Mm-hmm. But she has her own needs and wants, and she has a lot of her own friends, and they have their own backstory, and she has her own job, and then she is the one who like really sees her partner and what he needs without without even him saying it Mm -hmm. and then like kind of does her part to like make peace in the situation. Yeah. And the movie ends with a kind of a rock concert at the, the wedding. So good. It's so good. It's so good. Uh, that's the plot. Uh, let's take a break and we'll come back with trip talk. Yeah. Yeah. It is trope time. Trope talk. Trope talk. Okay. I think the trope talk for this should be the ending that everyone's involved in. Ah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where you've collected a cast of characters throughout a movie, and that maybe they're not super integral to the plot. Like, you could switch them out with anybody, and they'd be fine. Mm-hmm. But since they're all characters, they're kind of swept up in the events that lead to whatever large event is happening at the end of this movie. And this movie happens to be a wedding. And who who are all of Pete's like eventual um, like because he has he has no wedding party at first, but he eventually gets all of these people. Who who's in it? He's got Lou Ferrigno, uh huh, the Hulk from the seventies <laughs> or the eighties. Uh, he's got the old dude that he met online. He's got his brother Robbie and his dad, and he's got the guy he went on the oh, kind of date, date with. And then he also has um, the high pitch guy. Was he there too? Yeah, he was there too. Okay. So it's all these people that he's not actually friends with, but he's associates of. Yeah. I think at certain points in time in my life, if I was going to just stack just men on my side during the wedding, it would have been the same thing. Yeah. I, uh, like not now, like my wedding was filled with good friends, but my, my wedding party was like, and no one else, I can't think of anyone else I could possibly have. <laughs> <laughs> you had four people, five people. Sure. You, me, Jack, Cam. Ryan Johns. Ryan Johns. Yeah. Talk. My brother. Your brother. That's right. Yeah. Well, you're, and your brother was officiating. Yeah. Yeah. But this happens in in other films where like you have, like, okay, even just movies that we've watched, like- The movie you wanted it's complicated to be, be at the end, to have a wedding where all the people gathered. Sure. Sure. Or bringing a baby, everybody ends up in the jailhouse. Right. Right. Like, you know, it's not the end end of the movie, but it basically is. Right. Yeah. And and it's just it happens in in this genre more than most, because I think this genre has more elements of fantasy to it in its structure than it does in its actual content. Yeah, because weddings are like total fantasies. Not real. No, no, that's not what I mean. Like this, this genre has so much fate kind of yeah. lumped into it where like the circumstance of this actually happening is pretty ridiculous but in this movie it does right yeah if you think about the genre of the comedy uh it was invented by william shakespeare mm-hmm. it was invented by william shakespeare no one dispute me <laughs> uh somebody's like actually <laughs> um the wives tale in chaucer came first but you know it's much ado right where they all get married. A bunch of char- yeah. characters get married. Much to do end. about nothing. It's well, it's two couples get married. At yeah, the end. yeah. Um, and that feels like 
let's wrap up the whole plot of the wedding. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's the whole, like, if it's Shakespeare, if it's a comedy, it'll probably end in a marriage. Mm-hmm. If it's a tragedy, it'll probably end, end in, in death. death. Uh, but that's just kind of the running thing. And I think that's the cool thing about the rom-com is that people say its roots are in screwball comedies. It's like, no, no, no. It, it's really started with Shakespeare's comedies because his films always came down to relationships and, you know, a misunderstanding. Sure. And if we brought this, like, let's go backwards with this. Like, let's take this and apply it to other things where it doesn't happen, like a, a Pride and Prejudice. There's no big wedding at the end, right? Uh, no, but... No, but if it did, you know that Charlotte and Mr. Collins would be there. You know that, like, yeah. Willoughby would somehow have to be invited well, for some reason. Jane Austen, like, skips over weddings, and she's like, eh, and then they got married. <laughs> they all, she's like, they all got married. In Sense and Sensibility, I think. Uh, yeah, there's a the, lovely wedding. Like, it ends with Brandon and... I mean, the movie of Sense and Sensibility has such a beautiful end wedding thing where it's not a big wedding scene, but it's just, like, the... It's just joy and happiness. It's the outro, and it's like, yeah! Yeah! And so I think that's the trope for this movie, is it... it Everybody in the film gets caught in the whirlwind that brings them to the destination of the movie. And it feels also uh, just kind of like an offshoot of just theater in general, not just Shakespeare, but just kind of like, well, we need a circumstance to bring the cast onto the stage. Because, (laughs) like, you know, a lot of theater is just like, we'll have these characters and we'll focus on them for a while, then they'll leave the stage and then we'll have these characters come on. But you know it's the end of the play when all of the characters are on stage. Yeah, that's when they're bowing, though. No, no, but it's it's when things are really getting wrapped up, the same way that in Bringing Up Baby... Well, Midsummer's ends with one character, though. But not... Okay, much ado. How about that? What it do? Much ado. Okay. But that's what I mean. Like, Bringing Up Baby, everyone's in the jail, you know it's ending then. Because sure. it's like, all right, well, everyone's here, so we're, we must be wrapping things up. Sure, sure, sure. So... You're right, yeah. And I think this... The, the comedy genre, but especially the romantic comedy genre, this happens more than most. Yeah, and weddings are so um, life-altering. It's such an easy, it's an easy target for yeah. writers. It's mm-hmm. like, well, and it's not like this marriage was in question, but no. what's great is like, it kind of resembles his bro friendship. Yeah, that they're making a commitment to each other, and basically at the at the end of the movie, at the at the wedding, uh, Sydney and Peter make up. And they kind of seal, they have a profession of love. They seal the deal with saying "I love you, man," which is the title of the movie. Yeah, man. I there's there's so few movies that can be cheesy and like at, at they they start calling each other like you know like we alluded to earlier a whole bunch of different kinds of bro puns at the end of the movie and they just keep going back and forth and eventually like Zoe has to step in and be like guys <laughs> okay <laughs> but it doesn't seem fake no like like that in the hand of two other actors and another director would play as we're in a comedy right now and we know we're in a comedy, Mm -hmm. but since we've seen them fall in love together, this moment plays as real. Yeah. I wonder if there's a way for best buds to get married. Yeah. They could just get married. Well, I don't know. Peter, Peter Laberton and I, um, signed up as a um domestic partnership yeah you Um, registered we we registered in order to um, make it seem like that there were more men living together in washington (laughs) because you technically were living together and you were men technically yes so thanks census yeah we weren't lying census (laughs) well ryan thanks for making us watch this movie i guess uh that's the end right no no nothing else to talk about no no do you have any quibbles and bits
No, I have no quibbles and bits of this movie. I have no quibbles and bits. Do I have any? There's not enough rush. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's every movie for you. That can you imagine how lucky it would have been to be an extra, and you're at the Rush concert, and it's like, oh no, we got to do another take. <laughs> oh man, hey guys, can you go again? I don't think we got that. Oops, spike the camera. Gonna have to start all over. Oops, <laughs> slap the bass big time. What do you? What is that? Like, you this is this is a very special episode. Welcome to a very special episode of A Gentleman's Guide to Rom Coms, where I think Ryan's gonna ask the question. Do you love me? <laughs> I mean, yes, but that's not the question. It's a question I always ask every single episode. Oh, am I asking you what your Rockcom Oscar is? Yeah, good job. You got pipes on you. <laughs> I bequeath it to you. It's yours for the next year. Thanks. <laughs> yes, I do have a Rom-Com Oscar. I think we've seen a lot of them. I think this is best friendship. Best friends. Best friends. Like, mm-hmm. uh, they not only look out for each other, but as, like, you, you'll see a good friend try to sabotage a relationship sometimes by, in a movie by, like, over-implying something and kind of being a little Machiavellian about it. Mm-hmm. Jason Segel never dips to that. He just wants Pete to tell him why he's, like, he, at one point in time, he asked Pete why he's marrying um zoe Mm -hmm. and he's not doing it he's doing it like a little bit out of concern but mainly because he wants to know Mm -hmm. would you say yeah and that kind of like care like uh, and like down to the fact that he's like you can talk to he he so readily invites him to talk to him about masturbation he's like it's okay you can can feel comfortable you don't have to worry and just how Pete like slowly opens up and becomes a better friend for doing so. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, I don't know. It's just uh, it's great friendship. It reminds me of us. I love it. I, best Oscar for best friendship. Okay, I love it. I will go with best soundtrack. Oh, it's a great soundtrack, isn't it? We didn't even talk about that. Best soundtrack solely because Rush is in this movie. No, I mean, but besides that, it has a lot of good songs it has yep. of the time songs like vampire weekend but it also has classics uh it seems like the whole first half of the movie is glued together scene by scene mm-hmm. with just different popper rock songs yeah so when i first got into the movie when the first mo- movies first started i was watching it in theaters i remember it was a friday night somehow i had friday night off even though i was working in a movie theater um and it came out in 2009, so I was in college, and I remember being on the cusp of like being able to graduate in two years, and I was starting to take more control of the lifestyle that I wanted to have instead of the lifestyle that I just kind of defaulted into, Sure, you know? And when this movie started, it's just got this vibe, like it's got some Vampire Weekend on the soundtrack, mm-hmm. where I'm just like, yeah, this is the kind of vibe I want in my life. <laughs> Oxford comma was like the vibe that everybody wanted in their life for about five months. Yeah, we were all into it. This was like, this, this is nice. This is nice. And I think that but was- But by the, the way, I give a fuck about an Oxford comma. I so do fuck too. You, I do too. <laughs> you don't ask English majors that. <laughs> uh, so when the movie first started, it already like pulled me in. It hooked me just by its like its look and its sound and the soundtrack. Uh, hold. hold on, a, a wife wants in. Hi. 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 Do you want to give him a peek 
behind the scenes. <laughs> also, congratulate you guys on your year of podcasting. Oh, hey. thank you. We doff our caps. And I also want to say we love you, men, very much. Oh, we love you too. Oh, bye. Thanks for stopping by. <laughs> well, that was sweet. That was Sarah. Uh, maybe we'll keep this in the podcast. Cut interrupted. Um, so you were saying that you liked the look, the sound of your wife. <laughs> yes, no, no. certainly do. But the, it's just got it's just got that, and that's what good rom coms have. The equivalency is like in a Devil Wears Prada, where it's got this glossy sure sheen to mm-hmm. it, and this has the uh, hetero. What did I say? It's got heteroplatonic love to it. Yeah, and there's like a heteroplatonic rom com sheen. Mm, to it mm-hmm. yeah where where it feels just a slight bit grungier at right. times yeah uh-huh you know, kind of like his his garage his room of doom yeah nancy myers would see that place and she would vomit but that's such a good like yeah versioning of it i of, know like, right the attention to detail of like like okay so nancy myers her perfect kitchen has all these ridiculous things that make a little bit more sense with meryl streep's kitchen because she's a baker so i would understand why she has that little like cake uh what's that called where it's a glass case and it goes over oh cakes. yeah it's a cake stand yeah i would understand why she would just always have a cake stand out sure. in her kitchen mm-hmm. because that's just a natural thing with to have out in them right okay i'll i'll go on that walk with you but in jason sagel's garage he's got yeah. three televisions set up yeah and he's, two- <laughs> he's got like dvds yeah. He's got a bong just hanging out, five guitars maybe, yeah. a couple basses, drum a drum set, set, amps. And I if I had a big enough space, I wouldn't have the con like I wouldn't have the jerk off station or the bong, but I'd have everything else. I would have the drum Ryan set. Ryan has to say that because his wife's <laughs> in the kitchen. <laughs> but really? No. <laughs> no, but like you're in my office right now and to your left is my literal wall of DVDs, Blu-rays and video mm-hmm. games. Behind me is a giant CRT television to the left of me. He, is had, my he com- had multiple CRTs. Yes. Yeah. And that is like my dream. I know. That, that is my dream That's room. why I was saying that Jason Segel is kind of a perfect combination of you and I. Yeah. Because he's got like the chill vibes that I give off and like the, you know, a little bit more testosterone. Eh, no offense, but um, he, he also kind of had like the cool hoarder mentality that you have. Um, <laughs> cool. I'm sorry, collector. Yeah, collector. Yeah. But yeah, I, I like I want that space. Like I, I hate I hate living in a tiny apartment. I have for so long. But if I ever had like an extra space, it really gave me that like desire to have. I hate to say it, man cave, mm-hmm. because there's just something cool about having a space that is dedicated. Mm-hmm. Um, like Robin and I always, like we've been talking about, like if we ever get to save up enough money to build a house one day, the kind of like tree house that we'd want to build outside that could also like double as a, a studio for us to do like yeah. our various arts and sundry, but also having like a hobbit hole that's maybe below the tree house would be good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so Jason Sagel's garage is the equivalency to every interior setting in a Nancy Myers film. And it just kind of except s- better, <laughs> but you know, it has character to it. It's a weird thing where I don't like to use the term separate, but equal, but there is a little bit separate, but equal th- happening here. I, 
Can we say different but equal? Because I'm just getting so many like racy vibes from it. Yeah, I <laughs> okay. know. No, that's why I'm saying yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it's you. a terrible term. Uh-huh. Yeah, but in a Nancy Myers film, she puts she puts it on screen and the people watching are like, oh, I just want to live there. And that's true part of the time. Like in the holiday, I just want to live in Kate Winslet's oh, yeah. in her house. Oh, yeah. Um, and I'm just like, oh, I just love that. And it's the same here with I Love You, Man, where it's like, we want to be in that garage. I don't know if the same feeling comes across when Sarah watches I Love You, Man. Sure. But it's the same thing when I watch It's Complicated. I'm like, okay, this isn't my fantasy, but I get to understand someone else's fantasy. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think space, there's a really cool thing about space and creating spaces that movies get to do where they they feed into that awesomeness of like your dreams Mm -hmm. and this movie kind of since we're talking about it's complicated um it also opens up with a california uh, because this movie set in la and uh, we get kind of you know an intro under the credits with some music rolling in of downtown la right and it's i i when i'm up on my high horse i'm like do something with your rolling b-roll shots where you're just trying to establish a space but establishing shots are so important because if you don't have an establishing shot of where you are sometimes you really start asking questions during a movie like i don't even know how to feel about these people because i don't know where they live right and you want to get that out of the way as soon as possible so even though they're boring i liked this movies more because even though it was I don't think it was shot as artfully necessarily as uh, it's complicated. It got past it and it was just like, no, I'm just giving you some good music to listen to, to settle into the fact that this movie is set in LA. That's all. That's all I'm doing. Yeah. And it's a version of LA. And that's what a lot of people from Los Angeles will tell you is that they're just like, find your neighborhood. Exactly. Um, and this movie was like, I can kind of see why you guys are liking this, but does he, I'm still not convinced that. Does Jason Segel live in, like near Venice? I think so. Okay. That's the vibe I got. Yeah. Um, and I'm just like, I can see how you make that work for you, but no, I'm going to stay up here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just can't. And I would I would sooner move to the LA. It's not even LA. It's Thousand Oaks and it's complicated. Uh, I would sooner move out to like one of those outer burbs of Los Angeles. But even then, uh, sorry, man. Can't do it, California. I, I, I yeah, I feel that. Like I, man, and being in the industry up here, you're always asked by people. So you ever gonna move to LA? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not gonna say never. It's not on my to do list though. Can I move to San Francisco? I know it's super stupid expensive, but I had a really good time in San Francisco. Yeah. If if you and Robin and Sarah and I all buy the smallest house, we might be able to afford it in San Francisco. Worked for George Lucas. We have to live together. Is what I'm saying. That's fine. <laughs> Free child care. <laughs> Worked for George Lucas, Francis Ford Coppola. They live together? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> it was also a little less expensive back then. Yeah. Um, it's their fault. Well, Ryan, since you asked me the first question, who'd you fall in love with? Zoe. Hmm. Lay it on me. <laughs> um, it's weird because I've got Sarah, I've got you. Zoe is kind of the split difference between you and sarah Mm. right i mean show your work um like sarah is so down to earth that it was so easy to show her rush where with zoe and showing rush to zoe it took a lot of like 
uh, coaxing. Kind of, but like... He, but she got into it. Well, main... I wouldn't even say that. I say she is at least a good partner because yeah. she's like, yeah, th- I can see how this would be better with b- bigger speakers. She doesn't say that, but she agrees with right. him. Right. She, she does the smile and she goes to the concert. But Sarah like was had already filled out these prerequisites for the interest that I had mm-hmm. that it was kind of like she was so similar to me that it wasn't much of a relational thing to like get her into Star Wars or get her into Rush because she's like, well, I've always been into Star Wars. I just like it more now that I'm with you. Mm-hmm. And same with Rush. She's like, I always liked classic rock, so I just like it more. Whereas Zoe feels actually kind of different from a version, the version of Pete that gets to come out. Sure. Right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that would be interesting to have a partner that was more of a contrast to me. And Sarah is contrasting in other ways, but and, uh, I yeah, think they're interesting. I think what we see by the end of this movie is that Pete becomes more of himself. Yeah. He, by by just changing. And the version of Pete that loves being with Zoe and loves um like you know, he said his favorite day in the past five, one of his favorite days in the last five years is him sitting down on the couch and watching chocolate and eating salad. Summer salad Summer and salad. Drinking, drinking wine. I was like, I had that day five months ago whenever yeah. we did our episode of chocolate. <laughs> and I get it because, yeah, me too. Uh, I, I just get how like being with somebody and being able to enjoy like a really simple thing just makes them kind of perfect for you. Yeah. Um, and so you don't always need to be able to jam with your partner. It takes a village to not only raise a baby, but, you know, raise a person. Raise a person. Um, so, yeah, good good pick. I like Zoe in this movie. Like I said, mm-hmm. she's a really cool character. Yeah. Yeah. And Rashida Jones is just, she she has this kind of, like, down-to-earth warmth about her that I find unendingly charming. Did you watch Freaks and Geeks? Yes. Do you remember her in Freaks and Geeks? No. She plays a bully in Freaks and Geeks. It took me years to get over that first impression of her. Wait, wait, wait. She, is she friends with the... She's friends with Kim Kelly. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 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 Yeah, so that was my first introduction to her. And, you know, that was like in 1999. Yeah. And so, like, every property that I've encountered, I always have to, like, be like, no, no, she's not a bully. <laughs> and, like... She's first impressions in... are, are kind of silly like that. And it's kind of, you know... And she's in the office, but she's kind of the bad guy in the office. It's no, she's not the bad guy. It's just unfortunate that she doesn't end up with Jim. Right, but we've, we we were always rooting for Jim and Pam. Yeah, exactly. But then Karen comes in, and we're like, not her. Like, get out right, of here. Right, she's not the villain. She's just we don't kind want of antagonistic her to their yeah, relationship. Yeah, we don't want her around. Yeah. And then Parks and Rec, she's she's great. Yeah. But that stuff was fresh in my head. I'm like, she, she marries Karen. Uh, Chris in that, right? Hey, Chris Traeger. Chris Traeger. And Brookins. Hey, Chris. Man, I love Rodney in this really, like Rodney. That's got to be his name, right? And then there's Robbie. The brother. Robbie. Robbie. He's he's so great in this movie because he's just kind of a, like a I'll be there for you brother kind of guy, even though they're not close. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think I get to know him as well as I do our main two characters. Um I'm just going to say Jason Segel because I would usually, I, ha- I think I have picked Paul Rudd, Paul Rudd in, in a yeah, movie already. Makes sense. But Jason Segel. It's amazing. You called that. Yeah, well, I know my farts. Unbelievable. I feel like he and I could get along so well and I would find yeah. him so charming and so lovable. And he has like 
just enough to hug that I that I kind of like. And so, yeah, Jason Segel, he, he, he treats his dog nice. He'd be good for you. He'd Although, for you. I, I have to say, the one thing that would really... I would have to work on with him is picking up after his dog. Because you would influence him. You would change his mind. Yeah, you can't. Sorry, can't do like that. that's one of my rules. You have to pick up after your dog. Can't do that. Yeah, I had a few stray things. One. Also, Jason Segel would probably wrestle with me. I need a. I need somebody to like wrestle with. And I'm not a rough and tumble kind of. You're friend. not. Robin's not. Nobody's really a wrestler, and I. I really want a wrestler. My so brother always wanted to wrestle me as a as a young kid. As a young. As it's a young never boy. fun as a younger brother. But I was bigger than him, and I, if I wanted to, I could beat him every time, but I just turned into a boulder, so I was like, no, I'm not fighting you. I don't want to. <laughs> and he's like, you're boring. I'm like, <laughs> I know I'm boring. Uh, a few stray observations. John Favreau is here again. We didn't even talk about him uh, or her friends. Yeah. John Favreau is the dick boyfriend or and dick Jamie husband. Jamie Presley plays uh, his wife. Jamie Presley. 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 No, Presley. Uh, and they their poker game, and they do the the drinking game, and Paul Red barfs all over oh, John Favreau. Yeah. Okay, so we have only seen John Favreau in two movies so far in our in our list. Um, he was in Four Christmases, right. yeah, and this, and he plays a jerk in both movies, yeah, which is so. My first introduction to John Favreau was Friends, right, right, where he's just plays a really lovable dude mm-hmm. and same with him playing happy in mm-hmm. um in iron man and the marvel properties uh it's he plays a good bad guy but it's it's weird it's still it's a weird thing for me to see him like that he's had such a weird career that he's the director of elf he's the director of iron man and iron man 2 he, mandalorian he's the co-creator of the mandalorian Man, he's just flying high. He's he's one probably one of the most varied workers in Hollywood. Yeah, and a very eclectic career. And he's better as a director. I'd rather see his directing than his acting. So speaking speaking of John Favreau and his wife, um, they they have a kind of an antagonistic relationship toward each other that is just fixed with a bunch of make makeup sex. Yeah. I one thing I wanted to say is every character in this movie has a chemistry. Mm-hmm. Where even if characters don't get along necessarily, they still have good chemistry with each other. And that's props to the director and honestly, the editor and the actors. Uh, there's just something about the way this movie is cut together that adds to that. But what do, like, because Rashida Jones and her two friends actually own a business together, I think. Mm-hmm. What's their business? I think they have some kind of boutique shop where they sell really expensive interior design stuff. Okay. And Rachel was teaching me this. Uh, we were texting back and forth about our it's complicated assessment of the economics of Los Angeles. And uh, she's like, uh, yep. she laid it out. She's like, well, there are people in LA who have so much money that they don't bat an eye at you know sure. paying for certain things. So we've seen this in like the Pearl District in Portland, where they have like ten things there and it's like a hundred dollars for a pillow and people will just buy it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's the that's the kind of shop that They'll I They'll buy four of them. Yeah, that I was figuring that they had. <laughs> just some nice uh wares for sale. Yeah, that makes sense. And I was thinking a little bit about since we harped so much on it on It's Complicated. In this movie, he is a real estate agent and the economics makes perfect sense here. Yeah. Because he, I mean he has money. Jason Segel has a little bit of money, but he is like quote unquote tied up in investments. Right. Um, so that 
I love having those friends where you're just like, I don't, I don't know how much money you have because uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> there's, they can, they have this comfy lifestyle, but they dress the way that they're, they dress. Yeah. And I think it's, it's all summed up in his house because he has a house and a garage in Venice, but who knows how long he's had that house. Cause we gave people in Valentine's day, a lot of shit for like owning a flower shop yeah. yet living in Venice beach. But right. when you see his house compared to like the houses around it, it's so tiny and squished that yeah. I kind of like, it all makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you know, with, uh, with Paul Rudd's house, it, it, it is equivalent or not equivalent, but it's to scale of, of the career that he has. Right. It's, yeah. it's not a ridiculous thing because the real estate agents I know, the people I know who work in real estate all have very cozy lifestyles. So for me, it was like, yeah, that makes perfect sense that mm-hmm. he lives in the house that he lives in. Yeah. Well, um, I think that's a bromantic comedy. It's a bromantic comedy. Did we get any letters this week? No. Other than the texts I got from Rachel uh, gently educating me about the economics of L.A., which, uh, to be fair, feel more labyrinthine than any other city's economics. It does. It, it seems like it can be extremely extravagant and very... There, there's also a lot of poor places as well what what i'm curious about though from our listeners is i know that in new york city the attitude is like you always have to be making money like every day you're out there because it's just so expensive you have to do it Mm -hmm. um los angeles it's the people we know either are hustling or they get those jobs where they can work and then they don't have to work for a while but you always have to get those like big payday yeah. jobs. Most most of the people I know that live in LA that work in the film industry that aren't actors are people who like work for six months straight with like yeah, nary a nothing. day off. All they do is work. And then they wait for work the other six months of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm hold on. You know, I just I want to play the letters theme and I have Rachel's text that I really like up. Oh, okay. You got you got the, your her letters. Okay. Yeah, let's let's hear the guy talk to Kermit. Hey, Flo. Huh? Mail come. Got mail for you. Oh, Pete, you've got mail. You sent me a letter. You've got mail. Rachel says uh, that she agrees with the disappointment of Meryl being rich. Just because it's a plausible reality doesn't mean it's digestible for the majority. And if you're making a movie for people who enjoy, maybe not have the main characters living in such an annoying niche universe. And I think that sums up kind of what what Ryan acknowledged and what was rankling me so so much during the episode was not that it's completely implausible it's just I think niche is a much better word than any of the thousands that we said during the podcast yeah I think it's more desirable to watch someone in a more middle class awesome land than mm-hmm. an upper class impossible land yeah and that's what or at like, least implausible like Kate Winslet in the holiday she's not impossibly rich she's no. just got an awesome setup yeah mm-hmm. and that's what we like seeing but you know it's also it's she's got to she got to walk a long way after the train station to get there yeah what's the furthest you ever had to walk to and from work it's if uh it's never been that bad because i i always just worked at living theaters <laughs> oh, yeah. the whole time so i mean you walked about 15 blocks or so it was a good walk every time yeah. it was not a good walk on friday night uh when i closed and it was 1 a.m and i had to go home Dude, yeah i know like i had to do that at three and four in the morning from sauce box just down the street Poof. i remember you coming home some nights and it was like legitimately 4 45 and i was like damn that yeah. was a long night 
Yeah, man. High five for not working in the service industry after putting in our long, long time doing it. Um, hey, props to, to the people. Yeah, who work to all you service out there, you are heroes. We feel you. Yeah, and we're sorry that you can't really work right now. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. But if it makes you feel any better, I work in the movie theater industry, and neither can I. So, and for all of you servers that are having to take jobs working right now, I'm sorry, but great job. Hang in there. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I'm sorry that you have to go out to work right now in that. Um, but you're you're great people. Unless oh. you're bad, then you're a bad person. Yeah. Uh, my one last observation that I think should be noted is yeah. that Robbie, played by Andy Samberg, uh-huh. uh, his character's gay. Uh-huh. Um, and there's a lot of gay jokes in this movie, but it's not, I wouldn't say it ever gets to this point where it's homophobic. Oh, no. It's never at the expense. It's like Robbie is generally the one making the joke or in on the joke. What I love about this film is that it shows a, a gay man that's not a um, stereotype version. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And in rom-coms, it's usually a stereotype version. Mm-hmm. And it it took a bro, a bromantic comedy to break it and be like, let's not do that anymore. Let's yeah. just have gay characters be like other characters. <laughs> yeah, like let's not have it be like where every scene is like overplaying the fact that he is gay in order to be like, this is all you need to know about his character. Yeah. But they lampshade it in a good way in this movie where JK Simmons is like, what? I love my son who is gay. (laughs) It's (laughs) like, why is this funny if he's just speaking truths? (laughs) It's because it's JK Simmons. Yeah. (laughs) But good on, good on you. I love you, man, for breaking the mold and be like, let's just, you know, Ryan, who directed this movie? Some guy, Josh, or John Hamburg, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, John Hamburg is um, also, he worked on Meet the Parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and Along Came Polly. Uh, Along Came Polly, not one of my favorite. Zoolander. He wrote Zoolander, I believe. Oh, okay. And he, uh, yeah, he and uh, the editor that worked on this movie worked together a lot. And that editor has worked on every comedy that you can think of. He just is a comedy editor. I'm going to mention their name and we'll cut out the space in between this because he is a good editor. (laughs) It's so far and few in between when we give props to editors. And since you were an editor, Ryan, I wanted to make sure we did. Thanks. The editor is William Kerr, who also edited Bridesmaids, Naked Gun, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, Nutty Professor, um, My Favorite Americans. uh, Like... Just King of Staten Island, recent film. That's great. Yeah. He's a good, good person at his job. Oh, also this movie was shot on film. Oh, so, really? Yeah, I looked it, it up. good. Yeah. And this is actually the first film that I saw, ironically, projected digitally. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, because we got, I worked at a movie theater and this was when we first got our digital projectors and this was like one of the first DCPs we got. Uh, and I remember when the trailers comes on. You know when you watch trailers and it was on film and it was... It, the trailers are just so gussied up and like dirty and mm-hmm. like, bleh. um, but when it's digital, it's like this clean look. And I remember people going <gasps> when they saw like the clean green screen of like the coming soon trailer look. And I was like, Whoa, we are in a new era. Wait, did you remember, um, that first time that what, what is the, like that? It's an audio company that's like presented in, I think it was a Dolby commercial Mm. where it was like, it was just a black screen and then all of a sudden like an explosion and it was super loud. Oh yeah. It freaked me out the first time that that happened. Yeah. I, uh, I, I miss, I miss those. Yeah, me too. I miss the movie theaters. I miss the movie theaters so bad. 
But it's, it'll be funny that Thea will never understand the difference between watching a movie projected versus just a digital, yeah, digital thing. Uh huh. It's weird. Maybe I mean that's not true. We'll take him out to like retro. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll take him to Hollywood and be like, yeah. what "The hell is this? This is a seventy millimeter. <laughs> Why are we watching this? He'll love it." No, he's probably gonna be in sports. Um, okay, so we know what we're watching next week. To all the boys, three y'all. Covey, Covey's Covey return. Back. <laughs> return of the Covey, Covey. Covey's back, bitch. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we're watching Tall Boys Eleven Before Three. All of you out there have Netflix subscriptions. Um, I'm really excited, Ryan. I want to know what happens. <laughs> I hope you like it, <laughs> Ryan. Uh, here's the thing: I I don't hope you like it. I don't hope you dislike it. I just want us both to go in neutral. We're can you do that with me? Yeah, very neutral. Okay, neutral. We're planking like it's 2010. Nice. Well, th- thanks everybody for hanging in with us. We we're almost at a year. We have I think two more episodes, and then we'll have hit a year after this yeah wow man what a crazy ride this year slash podcast so if you want to jump in on our our crazy stock like GameStop, which at the point you're hearing this has probably crumbled (laughs) (laughs) yeah who knows (laughs) uh follow us on instagram and facebook we're romcom gents on this places at romcom gents you can uh email us at romcom gents at gmail.com write us a letter like Rachel texts us. Yeah, Rachel texts us. We're not going to give you our phone number, but feel free to write us an email or a letter. Because we got an email on our phones. Because if you got a good thing to say, we'll, we'll write you back. Yeah, we will write you back and we will also probably say it on the air. Yeah. I mean, even if there's like expletives or something. Yeah, we'll say it on air. Yeah, we'll say it on air. We're it's, not afraid. No. 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 Uh, yeah, I think, that's, I think that's it. I think that's our show. So thanks for listening, everybody. Ryan. What do you do? You have something to say to me? I love you, bro. Ho ho! To the bottle I go to heal my heart and drown my woe. I don't know the rest of it. The rain may fall and wind may blow and many miles be still to go. All right. We just kind of wrapped Tolkien. <laughs> yeah. I That's love how you, man. Much I love you. I love, I love you, you, man. I love you, man. I love you, man. <clears throat> and this is where we will say oh, goodbye. Ryan and Kelly must bid you adieu. Thank you for listening to our review. Rate and subscribe, we'll even take a bribe. So see you next week on the Gentleman's Guide. To rom-coms. When you get inducted into it, like, it's obviously, you know, for the honor of it if you're inducted to a Hall of Fame. But, you know, like, when you win an Oscar or, like, an Emmy or something, you win money, too, right? Uh, I don't know if you win money per se, but you do get a, um, what's the word? A grab bag? A gab bag? A, um, a, a, like it was a, in top like you five. you just went to the dentist? With the guy getting top five, where he had the the princess heels. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a party bag. Like party favors. Yeah, when Ahsoka Tano, you know, put her heel in there. Man, was she Ahsoka Tano during that episode? I don't think she was Ahsoka yet. This is so cool. Rosario Dawson. Rosario Dawson. Sorry. Live action uh, I was I was thinking of um, the Mandalorian woman, uh, Kara Thrace. <laughs> Who's Kara Thrace? She's in, she's uh, Starbuck. Ugh. It's Bo-Katan. On Battlestar. It's Bo-Katan. 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 There we go. My mic is fixed. Okay.